So, you have a tent and a rig, and you love overlanding. You have plans to do it big, on the trails and some super glamping. Want ideas, tips, news, and reviews? A podcast that's first rate and here just for you? You don't have to think about it. Join us and be about it. Something interesting? We want to hear about it. Come on, let's talk about it. Welcome to Waypoint Overland's Random Waypoints Podcast. Sponsored by Midland. Communication for every adventure. The industry leader in radio communication technology and innovation for over 50 years. Sponsored by MyMedic. Sponsored by Tembo Tusk. Sponsored by Trail Rated Coffee Company. Sponsored by CK Knife and Tool. Always remember, the opinion you follow should be your own. Just consider the things stated here to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Hi, my name is Phil from Waypoint Overland, and you're listening to Random Waypoints. All right, so here we go. Welcome to another episode of the Random Waypoints Podcast. We'll be doing an episode every week, so like, share, and subscribe. Hit the notification bell to make sure you don't miss an episode. This week on Waypoints, we talk about alternatives to overcrowded national parks. On Random Lists, I give my overland routes to consider for your next Midwest road trip, and we cover fire safety at the campsite. Also, we'll be answering a question about my hometown, Seattle. What is a geoduck? So stay tuned for the whole show. But first, let's look at the news. During this segment, we'll cover various topics with a connection to overlanding in some way. It could be land use news regarding the national parks or the Bureau of Land Management. We'll keep you up to date on any auto industry news when it pertains to relevant and potential overlanding vehicles. There will be camping and outdoor industry news, as well as photography and video, fishing, hiking, and on and on. Now, here's the news. Fresco Motors, a Norwegian technology company based in Oslo, Norway, unveiled its all-electric PLD vehicle, the Fresco XL, this week. The company's new vehicle is not a sedan, but a large crossover people carrier. We are beyond grateful for all of the attention Fresco XL has received, said Jacob Kersenbaum, CEFO and member of the board of Fresco. Therefore, we are pleasant to present target specifications and more information about our all-electric POD. Fresco XL will not only have an electric motor on each axle, but it will also come with a driving range of approximately 1,000 kilometers or 620 miles per charge. Due to the harsh climates our customers are located in, we have chosen to equip each axle with their own electric motor, said Espen Valvik, CEO and chairman of the board of Fresco. Not only will this standard equipment ensure better traction on slippery roads, but the all-wheel drive will make the Fresco XL off-road capable as well. The all-electric Fresco XL will come with an extra-large battery pack, said Adrian Christopher, COO and member of the board of Fresco. 
As it will be double stacked, it will ensure approximately 1,000 kilometers of driving range per charge. In addition, Fresco mentioned some practical applications their electric pod can be used in, such as becoming a backup unit in terms of an energy shortage and being able to use it as a camper. In the case you need some additional energy, hook up your Fresco XL to your house or cabin, said Adrian Kostroffer, COO and member of the board of Fresco. Due to its rather large battery pack, it would essentially work as a backup unit. And as the Fresco XL is such an extra-large vehicle, you can quite easily use it for camping and road trips. All you need to do is pull down the seats to create a flat surface, put in your bedding, and use it as a camper. Learn more about the Fresco and order the all-electric Fresco XL on frescomotors.com. The Tesla Cybertruck has proven very popular across the globe. However, since it hasn't come to market yet, and it's been delayed a few times, people have made their own versions of the truck. In addition, many companies are banking on the Cybertruck's upcoming success and have already started offering unique aftermarket products for the stainless steel electric behemoth. Yes, it's an aftermarket kit that can convert your Tesla Cybertruck into a high-performance amphibious catamaran. And yes, it appears to be real, at least in concept form, as there's a patent for it and you can already place reservations for it on the company's website. The company is offering both the CyberCat and CyberFoil. The CyberCat uses a few components to transform the electric pickup into a catamaran. The CyberFoil takes it a step further by adding hydrofoils to maximize efficiency on the water and unleash industry-leading performance for all electric watercraft. The company's website says the CyberCat's starting price ranges from $22.9 to $32.9. It also notes that the price varies based on the number of kilowatt motors selected. You can choose up to five motors for a total output of 335 horsepower. You can check out the CyberCat website for more information at CyberCatamaran.com. It just got slightly more expensive to visit Canadian National Parks, marine conservation areas, and historic sites. On January 1, Parks Canada boosted fees by 4.2% for the next two years. The price hikes date back to a January 1, 2020 move to adjust fees for inflation every two years based on the requirements of the 2017 Service Fees Act. An annual discovery pass, which covers unlimited emissions to more than 80 destinations under its care, now cost $72.25 Canadian for adults, $61.75 Canadian for seniors age 65 and up, and $145.25 Canadian for a family or group. That's up to seven people in a vehicle. Youth age 17 and under are free. The pass is valid for 12 months from the date of purchase and expires on the last day of the month that it was bought in. Daily admission fees vary. The application period has opened for 2023 private river trips on the Colorado River through Grand Canyon National Park. A total of 359 permits will be available for 12 to 25-day river trips. Eligible individuals may apply online at the Weighted Lottery website. Applications will be accepted online through 12 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on Tuesday, February 22nd. Each year in February, a main lottery is held to assign launch dates 
for river trips occurring the next year. Public notifications regarding main lotteries are made by both email and news release. In addition to the annual main lottery, follow-up lotteries are held as needed throughout the remainder of the year to reassign canceled and or leftover river trips. The weighted lottery website can be accessed for free year-round to create or modify an account and to sign up to receive email notification. Lottery applications are accepted through the weighted lottery website only when lotteries are open. Individuals must be 18 years or older to apply for a river trip permit. Non-commercial river trips must be self-guided and technical whitewater experience is mandatory for each trip. Individuals may participate on a maximum of one recreational river trip per year, commercial or non-commercial. For more information about the 2023 Maine Lottery, please visit the Grand Canyon National Park website or contact the River Permits Office at 1-800-959-9164 or 928-638-7843. Now it's time for Random Lists. Random Lists is all about lists Waypoint Overland has created on an array of topics, such as Top 5 National Parks, Top 10 Trails in the United States, Top 10 Fill-in-the-Blank. I think you get it. Some lists will be pure fun, and others very informational. But they all will have a connection to overlanding in some way. We're very interested in hearing your suggestions for upcoming lists in the comments. Now, here's our random list. All right, this week on Random List, I'm going to give you my overland routes to consider for your next Midwest road trip. When you think of the central states, do you think mostly flat and boring? I'm going to tell you about seven scenic byways that hopefully change your mind. Yes, the Midwest has a lot of beautiful flat, wide open roads, but I prefer places like Lake Superior's rugged coastline and South Dakota's surreal limestone badlands or Arkansas's deeply wooded winding mountain drives that come ablaze with color every fall. From winding canyon roads and vast desert straightaways to historic routes and serene ocean drives, the U.S. is a home to some of the most incredible roads in the world. Here's my favorite scenic byways in the central states. We'll start with North Shore Scenic Drive. North Shore Scenic Drive in Minnesota is 154 miles. Allow plenty of time for this one. Tracing the shoreline of Lake Superior from Duluth to Grand Portage is a nerve-ending invitation to hop out and explore and take pictures. Eight state parks and the woodsy beauty of Superior National Forest line the byway and folksy shoreline towns serve up local fish meals. If you go, make sure to try the whitefish fried and smoked if you've never had it. At Iona Beach, walk a crescent of bright pink beach. At Silver Bay, check out the state's tallest waterfall in Six Lakes. About a third of the way up is the 1910 Split Rock Lighthouse, one of the country's most beautiful and historic, and it boasts some cool, card-in campsites. And just off the byway are dozens of access points to the 310-mile Superior Hiking Trail, one of the country's great through hikes. Next, 
I have Lincoln Highway Scenic and Historic Byway. Lincoln Highway Scenic and Historic Byway in Nebraska is 400 miles. A heartland journey on Nebraska's Lincoln Highway, US 30, part of America's first transcontinental auto route. It takes you clear across the state on a route pioneered by travelers on the Oregon, Mormon, and California trails. From the east, it follows the Platte River Valley from Omaha and dips into Kearney, home to the astounding Sandhill Crane migration in the spring. Friendly towns along the way provide lots of photo ops and plenty of barbecue joints. Next is the Native American Scenic Byway. Native American Scenic Byway in North Dakota and South Dakota is 350 miles. There may be no better route in the U.S. for experiencing Native American culture than this road that threads its way through the four reservations between the state capital of Bismarck, North Dakota, and Pierre, South Dakota, roughly following the Missouri River. The underdeveloped landscape is mostly mixed grass prairie and limestone badlands, which means wonderfully broad horizons dotted with herds of elk and bison. The town and tribal reservations along the way interpret the legacy of the land and its people. In South Dakota, there's the Acta Lakota Museum in Chamberlain, the H.V. Johnson Lakota Culture Center in Eagle Butt, and monuments honoring Sitting Bull and Sacagaway near Mobridge. In Fort Yates, North Dakota are Sitting Bull's birthsite and Standing Rock Monument. I have next Michigan Highway 22. Michigan Highway 22 in Michigan is 116 miles. Sleeping Bear Dunes National Lakeshore is the highway's flagship lure. But if you come for its beaches, dunes, sea kayaking, Manitou Island campsites, and 450-foot bluffs above Lake Michigan, you'll linger for the byways, rivers, orchard farms, farm stands, and forests. As beautiful as the Great Lakes is, any diversion inland is well rewarded. From Manistee to the Manistee River Trail, it's 245-foot Little Mac suspended footbridge. Or the town of Honor, where the Cherry Bowl Drive-In movie theater is one of the last and finest of its ilk. North of the Sleeping Bear, the Michigan 22 loops around the Lilanu Peninsula with orchard cherries, apricots, fall color, and fishing for Pacific salmon in the Platte River. Next up is the Natchez Trace Parkway. This is one of my favorites. Natchez Trace Parkway runs through Tennessee, Mississippi, and Alabama, and is 444 miles. The Natchez Trace isn't a highway that happens to be scenic. It's a route intentionally designed by the National Park Service to give travelers an unspoiled journey through some of the most beautiful and historic country in the American South. The trace slices through forests, cave-rich limestone landscapes, and farther south, bayous and cypress swamps alongside slow-moving rivers. Next, we have Talamina Scenic Drive. Talamina Scenic Drive in Oklahoma and Arkansas is 54 miles. The deeply wooded, winding mountain drive will surprise anyone who pictures Midwest scenery as endless, flat farmland. It's quite the contrary. As Arkansas 88 and Oklahoma 1 wind through, 
up and over the winding Star Mountains from Mena, Arkansas to Tallahena, Oklahoma. On the Arkansas side, you'll ascend 2,681 foot Rich Mountain in Queen Wilhelmina State Park, where you can camp under hickory, elm, and red maple trees or stay in the park's historic lodge. On the Oklahoma side is the 26,445-acre Winding Stair Mountain National Recreation Area, laced with trails through the hardwoods and shortleaf pines and set with scads of campgrounds. In between are endless vistas, which are amazing in fall and plenty of turnouts from which to enjoy them. And last but not least, I have Flint Hills Scenic Byway. Flint Hills Scenic Byway in Kansas is 48 miles. American pioneer wagons encountered horizon to horizon seas of tall grass prairie that covered more than 170 million acres. Although only 4% of the original prairie remains, the countryside in and around the Tallgrass Prairie National Preserve retains the sense of endless beauty that greeted the settlers. The preserve doesn't have camping, but hike any of its 40 miles of trails for a solitary exp- experience of bird songs, wildflowers, and bison. The Flint Hills Scenic Byway connects the preserve with friendly little prairie towns to the north and the south. Near Matfield Green, check out a historic ranch called Pioneer's Bluff and hike along Crockett Creek. In Council Grove, hit the 1857 Hayes House for fried chicken and fresh fruit pies. Well, that's my list. Do you agree or disagree? Do you have your own list? We'll share in the comments. Now it's time for Waypoints. Waypoints. Waypoints will cover all aspects of navigation for the overland traveler. Navigation is the act or practicing of navigating. The method of determining position, course, and distance traveled. On Waypoints, we're going to cover alternatives to increasingly overcrowded national parks. Great Smoky Mountain National Preserve saw more than 14 million visitors in 2021, and Yellowstone National Park saw 4 million for the first time in its history. Growing crowds are forcing park managers to turn to reservation systems to manage all these visitors. Are the crowds prompting you to rethink your national park adventures? Certainly the backcountry of the park system isn't overcrowded. Well, at least not as much as some front country destinations. But at Zion National Park, you'll need to get a reservation to hike to the top of Angel's Landing, and it's ditto for heading to Old Rag and Shenandoah National Park, and Glacier, Rocky Mountain, and Arches National Parks all will have some form of reservation system in place this year. Are all these people ruining the National Park experience? What exactly does the National Park experience mean to you? To avoid crowds, consider a visit to one of the lesser visited national parks. Just because a park is less popular, it doesn't mean it's any less scenic. It typically just means you have to work a little harder to get to it. Skip the national parks altogether and visit nearby state parks instead. National parks are crowded for a reason, but you can often find similar spectacular landscapes in state parks. Instead of Utah's Canyonlands National Park, 
which, by the way, saw record visitation numbers in 2021, plan a visit to the equally stunning Dead Horse State Park. If you plan on camping, make sure to book early. Camping and outdoor adventures have exploded in popularity during the pandemic, and there's no sign of that trend tapering off. Research your destinations well in advance and try to make reservations as soon as they become available. If your desired dates and locations are booked up, consider being flexible. Can you travel during the week instead of on the weekend? Or is there a less popular location nearby that may have more availability? If you have your heart set on a specific campground, it's also worth keeping an eye on cancellations. Nothing reminds us of the beautiful California outdoors quite like the glow and crackle of campfire. It can provide a place to eat, a place to warm up, and a place to get together with family and friends in the great outdoors. But they can also pose a serious fire threat if not handled responsibly. It's important when lighting a campfire to take certain precautions to prevent burn injuries and the potential to start wildfires. First, make sure to get a valid campfire permit. Camper permits are available from a variety of locations, including your local CAL FIRE, U.S. Forest Service, and Bureau of Land Management offices. The permits are completely free and are required to have campfires and to use portable gas stoves while on public lands. Next, check to ensure there aren't any local fire restrictions that may be in effect in the area where you're recreating. On days of high fire danger, campfires may be restricted due to the potential for wildfires. When you finally arrive at your campsite and you're ready to choose a location to build your campfire, choose a level, open area from heavy fuels such as logs, brush, or decaying leaves or needles. Clear an area at least 10 feet in diameter around where you plan to build your fire. Use a shovel to scrape away grass, leaves, and needles down to the bare mineral soil. It's a good idea to keep your shovel at the campfire site at all times for preparing and extinguishing the campfire. While the fire is burning, be sure there's a responsible person in attendance of the fire at all times. Never leave children around a fire unattended. And before you leave your campsite or go to sleep, extinguish your fire completely using the drown, stir, and fill method. Drown the fire area with water and stir around the fire area with your shovel to wet any remaining embers and ash. Be sure to turn wood and coals over and wet all sides. Move some dirt onto the fire site and mix thoroughly to smother it. And finally, Fill the area with your hand to ensure nothing is still smoldering. Camping and recreating in the outdoors can be a fun and safe experience for everyone, but carelessness around the campfire can lead to disastrous consequences, making sure to do your part to avoid tragedy. Remember, campfire safety is your responsibility. Well, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. We're going to end with uh, an answer to some questions I got about living here in Seattle about geoducks. What are geoducks? So we're going to end with uh, my roving reporter explaining what geoducks are. And with that, I want everyone to stay safe, tread lightly, and hopefully I'll see you here or on the trail soon.
With all the cranes popping up all over Seattle, along with the reroutes and the traffic making it home, lots of us miss what's going on all over the Seattle area. Come with me and let's explore and see what's unique to Seattle. At the intersection of Pike Street, Minor Avenue, and Melrose Avenue, there is Talk Through Seattle that you can find some of the best coffee in the city, as well as sustainable and delicious seafood. Let's find out. First, we will visit Taylor Shellfish in Melrose Market to try Gooey Duck and go right around the corner to Victrola Coffee Roasters. Taylor Shellfish Farms has been at the forefront of considering the importance of sustainability while providing the best shellfish the Pacific Northwest has to offer for quite some time now. That's why for my first time trying Gooey Duck, I decided to do it at Taylor Shellfish in Melrose Market. Instead of a chowder, it tastes more like um, a tomato soup. Got carrots, onions. Mm, definitely has uh, tomatoes in it. So this is really interesting. You really cannot taste the gooey duck in here at all. I'm surprised. I would have thought that it would have overpowered everything. Thank you so much. I actually like this. I'm surprised. I was kind of afraid and nervous to taste uh, gooey duck, um, but I can definitely say I would come back here and uh, test this out again. The name of this clam, gooey duck, is derived from a Salish Native American word meaning dig deep. It is sometimes known as mud duck, king clam, or when translated literally from Chinese, the elephant trunk clam. Victrola Coffee Roaster's name was inspired by, yes, the popular home phonograph of the 1920s. Victrola is noted for taking on the task of sourcing, roasting, and preparing the finest coffees available. This beautiful cafe is an exceptional place to learn more about the highly regarded coffee at one of their regular tastings, or watch the roasting process, or simply enjoy a good book. You have been listening to Waypoint Overland's Random Waypoints. Like, subscribe, and stay tuned for more.